Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Welcome to another episode of Please Bet on Football Games. This is going to be our earlier week recap where we talk about how we did this week and get to some segments. I'm Joe at BMADFTS on Twitter, the keeper of the real. And a little bit later, you're going to hear from my co-host, Alex, who's I underscore like underscore sports six. I'm really ashamed to say it, but uh, for the first time since week two, the pod had a losing week. It was rough, but you know, you can't win them all. I don't even really have that much gripe this week. Just we missed on a couple. You know, we missed on Carolina. We thought that that was a great bet, and it was a terrible bet. You know, the Saints, we missed by one point. Sure, the DK Metcalf touchdown was bullshit because that was the most clear offensive pass interference I've ever seen. And sure, we could have gotten a safety on the very last play if the refs had decided to call the holdings that very clearly occurred. But you can't kind of you can't bank on that kind of stuff. If you take minus four, you're expecting your your side to win by like ten points or so. And uh, they didn't. I think you know we'll get into it on the on the later week pod. But maybe we got to reconsider Sean Payton. Anyhow, my personal bets were a little bit better than our pod bets. My personal bets ended up plus $831.29 for a dead even 50% on the week, but that's not good enough. So we're going to get to some commercials, and then we're going to get to some segments. All right, now it's time we can jump into some segments. Now, Joe, with any week, we didn't get everything right, so why don't you uh, bring us through how we fucked up this week? Well, I've heard a lot about it on Twitter, so I guess I should start off by saying uh, I fucked up on my Jamar Chase evaluation. You know, maybe he's not Marvin Jones. Wrong! I don't care. I don't care that he looked great in the box score against the Ravens. I don't care that he had an 82-yard touchdown on a slant because he broke the tackle of a falling Marlon Humphrey and then outran a middle linebacker to the end zone. I don't care. I don't care that he got four catches against prevent defense all on slants and curls to end the first half. I don't care that he dropped a very nice back shoulder throw that was then ruled a catch. I don't care. The dude is a good possession receiver. Not great, but good. And he's faster than I thought he would be. He's legitimately faster than I thought he would be. But I'm not going to throw away my evaluation from his college tape and, frankly, my evaluation from the beginning of his NFL tenure because he had one game that looked great on the stat line and is very unstable. Like, these aren't predictable things. Jamar Chase isn't going to be able to score an 82-yard touchdown multiple times per year because he breaks the tackle of a cornerback who's falling and then there's nobody over the top except for a linebacker who can't catch it. It's just not going to happen. Okay, so the one thing I will say, because I generally agree with you that I don't think he's some world beater. I think he's a good receiver. I think he's going to continue to get better, and he's doing well right now, but a lot of it is a function of just getting fed and busting plays. But we're at the point where we're seven weeks in, and he's had some crazy long touchdown like this in, what, five games, six games? So I, my question is, like, I don't know if I can just chalk it up to fluky, unreliable, like busted coverages or whatever, when it seems like it happens every week. It does seem like it happens every week, but let's remember that seven games is still not a large sample size. Like you can't crown or bash anybody. If, if this was a quarterback and we were saying that he sucked after seven weeks, people would be telling us that we're fucking idiots and we're being knee jerk. Additionally, you remember the 70 yard touchdown against the Packers? Like you watch that play. I know that it happens a lot, but sometimes people flip heads eight times in a row on a coin toss. Like he's not going to be able to just wait five seconds into the play, catch a jump ball that's underthrown, the cornerback or safety falls down, 
and he gets to walk into the end zone. That's not going to happen. He's not going to be able to take a slant in a zero coverage against Marlon Humphrey, 82 yards, because Marlon Humphrey falls when he tries to tackle. That, it's just not going to happen. There was, there was one other safety that missed a tackle on him. So what it was was Marlon Humphrey got taken out by the, the safety or other corner that tried yes. to come in. So that was – I don't even count that as a broken tackle because I think both of those guys hit each other. I agree. And Jamar Chase just got, like, some collateral – it's, you know. it's a lot like that one play that Deshaun Watson had in the wild card game against the Bills a couple of years ago, where he got creamed by a linebacker and then creamed by a defensive end in exactly opposite directions. So the one guy threw him and the other guy threw him back and he landed on his feet. It's not broken tackles. That's being an object that is affected like all other matter is. Yeah. And then right after that, he did break a tackle on a diving safety. And then it was Justin Houston trying to chase him down. So I give him one broken tackle. I, like that play is impressive, but it it was mainly like I see a lot of guys do that type of like I've seen a lot of receivers have two DBs run into each other and break a tackle on a diving safety and outrun 34 year old pass rusher. Like I've, I've seen a lot of people say some things. Um, for instance, one of my friends, shout out to Alonzo, sent me a stat from PFF saying that Jamar Chase has the most yards against man coverage. By the way, 82 of them came on that busted fucking play by Marlon Humphrey where Justin Houston's tack or chasing him. But anyway, he's got the most yards against man coverage. He's got lots of separation. He's got the most yards per route, yada, 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 whatever, right? It doesn't fucking matter because you can watch that play. Watch that, watch the whole game and then watch that play one more time. And tell me, do you think that your offense is going to be sustainably excellent if you hit Jamar Chase on five to 10 yard slants against Marlon Humphrey? No, at the best. I mean, that's not his skill set. He's not a yards after the catch burner type. Like at best, if that's the offense you run, you're going to get like four or five yards per attempt because he's going to drop some. He had a couple drops in the Baltimore game that we're raving about anyways. And when he catches it, he's probably going to get tackled most of the time. Like if I hit a line drive directly at the third baseman's mitt and he drops it, there's a reason that in baseball, they don't call that a hit because if you do it 10 times, it's not going to be a hit nine times. Yeah. And I think another thing that's helping him is just the pure volume of it. Yeah. Is that, you know, he, he's getting a lot of these where they're short slants curls where he does get tackled right away. And it's his seven yard gain that he did nothing on, but when he's getting as many targets because Joe Burrow just, he loves throwing to him. And I mean, it's working right now, but if you're looking at him, every single play. It just makes it a lot easier. I mean, I, you look at guys that have had where they're kind of the only option or they have some special chemistry with the quarterback. I mean, we saw it with like Kenny Galladay looked incredible in Detroit and a lot of it was just volume. And now he doesn't get the same volume and he doesn't look that special. It, it's so not to say that Jamar Chase is the same player as Kenny Galladay because they are different, but getting crazy volume and having a quarterback that force feeds you just increases the chances that you're going to have one of those fluke plays where the DBs run into each other or someone busts a coverage. So whether that's smart game planning and just saying, Hey, they can't stop him every time or luck or whatever it is creating the points, but I think they're hot. I couldn't agree more. And I think I'll wrap this general Jamar chase conversation up by referencing another interaction I had on Twitter, because that's basically the only place I feel safe to talk about football, lest anybody realize how fucking insane I am. Sidebar, I, uh, I was talking to a partner at my firm today, and we talked about football briefly because he said he's a football fan, and I almost let my freak flag fly by insinuating that I watch five to ten football games per Sunday. 
And I quickly had to reel it in because he's like, yeah, I like watching my Eagles. I, I think Jalen Hurts could be something. And I was just like, mm, nope. That's me reeling in my pole, my fishing pole of football insanity. Anyhow, we'll leave that shit in, by the way. Uh, I, I think it's great content. I'm, oh, I, I'm a fan of it. It's brilliant. That's why we're starting a media empire. The reason Watching that I'm a succession to try and uh, get, get the inside track on how to make this global. The reason that I'm going to put my foot down on Jamar Chase is because despite the interaction on Twitter I had with someone who is occasionally very smart and occasionally very reactionary, he, this person said it's getting really hard to say that Jamar Chase is Marvin Jones. And he agreed with me that he was Marvin Jones in the preseason. Like that was also his eval. And he said, like, it's getting really hard to do that. We might have to walk this back. I said, because of fucking one game where he blew up a great corner due to some bullshit because of seven games where his stats look pretty good when he played a really weak schedule and he's getting really fucking lucky, it might be hard to do. But if it were really easy to be right, more than 20% of the population would be right consistent, right? Like if it's easy, it's not worth doing. It's hard to say Jamar Chase is not very good right now. You got to plant your flag on that hill and it would be really fucking embarrassing to die there. But I have to take that risk and prove positive was Patrick Mahomes this past weekend. It wasn't a pod pick, but I put my own money on it as I posted on Twitter. My shit's more transparent than glass. I, I laid five and a half with the Chiefs because I figured I love the Titans, but the Titans have no cornerbacks left. So the Chiefs will not punt. They will score a touchdown almost every possession. And I can count on Mike Vrabel to give away at least one touchdown with conservative coaching, right? Well, Patrick Mahomes was fucking terrible. And something that I've been saying a little bit on Twitter, a lot to you in the DMs. Like, can you? Yeah, you've been this? telling me for like two years. Like, I was never as high on Mahomes as everybody else was. I always thought he was a B plus quarterback. But for the last, basically since last late fall, like since like week ten last year, I've been like, this dude has legitimately been bad every fucking game. I think he had one good playoff game against Buffalo, but he was terrible in the Super Bowl. He was terrible in the playoffs generally. He was not good. He hasn't been good this year. He's had a bunch of D performances in a row. I think he's had, if you count Buffalo and you're generous on the Cleveland game, he's had two A performances in the last like 15 games by me. That's not good. Like that's Carson Wentz in 2020 shit. But it was too hard. It was too scary to stick my flag on the hill that Patrick Mahomes, the half a billion dollar man, the golden boy, isn't really all that good. In fact, he's actually kind of subpar right now. And I didn't, and I put my money with the public, and I've lost it. Yeah, and I, we've talked about it before of needing to stick with our, you know, our gut instincts and what what we see or think compared to maybe what we see on Twitter or some of the, the media groups. But this one has, uh, it's tough to stick by this one because he, the Chiefs have still been really good and really successful. However, now it is you know, you're starting to see those warts and, you know, they're falling off. So you have a lot more room to maybe like where, where it's coming true, but it's hard to stick by it this long. And I, I could see the same thing with Jamar, but I think it's smart because I mean, well, I don't think this is the true Mahomes and he'll come back to somewhere, somewhere in between what we're seeing now and what we saw, you know, two years ago, but yeah, you're, you're starting to see what happens when the luck turns a little bit on him. He's, typically really good in the creativity and the off-platform plays where he's running around and just chucking balls and they're working and they're not right now. Either he's making mistakes, balls that weren't getting picked previously are getting picked, defenses are playing them different. And yeah, he he hasn't been great. So 
you know, I've pushed back on you for a while. I thought, you know, he's probably a little overrated, but still the best quarterback in the league. And yeah, I don't, I don't know if you can put him there, especially with how Tom Brady is, but yeah, Mahomes is not playing like even a top five. See, I've never had Patrick Mahomes at number one. I've never even had him at two. I always had Stafford above him. I always had Brady at number one and I'm more comfortable planting my flag with those guys. I'm, I will die on those hills because one, they're quarterbacks and I will die on any quarterback evaluation that I make. And two, like, if I say a guy is bad, I will take that to the bank and I will bet a million dollars on it. If I say a guy's underrated, I probably have overrated him. But if I say a guy's great, he's fucking great. So like Davis Mills, he was underrated, period. Like there's no way that that man was a late third round pick. It's just not, it's not appropriate value. However, he's also not a starting quarterback. Similar with Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen is an awesome backup and occasionally a decent starter. Like Kyle Allen could run a good offense well, well enough to put up good looking stats. Unfortunately, he's made of paper mache. He's made of paper mache. And also he just shouldn't, he's not a franchise quarterback. He's not a starting quarterback. Um, So I was right that those guys were undervalued, but I, I got a little too high on. If I say a guy's a fucking killer, like if I say this guy is like studly, he's always studly. So on the extremes, I hit every fucking time. Tua, bust, Herbert, awesome. I hit. This is my thing. In the middle, I'm weak. I admit. Like not weak. I'm directionally right, but I overreact. I had Patrick Mahomes at his best at third. And last year, I dropped him down to fifth. This year, I just re-ranked my quarterbacks and people will call me fucking insane. But I currently have Mahomes at eighth. Okay. When you said people will call me insane, I was expecting you to like give me an, a double digit. I mean, he's Eight. tied with Derek Carr, who's ninth, followed by Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, Trevor Lawrence, and Carson Wentz, who are just a, they're all tied just a smidge behind Mahomes and Carr. That's your top 13. So Yeah, I mean, so who, who are the people directly in front? Justin Herbert and Aaron Rodgers, who I have in the same tier as B quarterbacks, and then Ryan Tannehill and a line through P- Baker Mayfield's name are B pluses at three and four. Why Baker, do you have a line I, through Baker's name? Because he's hurt, and I need I need one healthy game of Baker to determine what the fuck is going on. That's fair enough. Like I, he had two games this year where he was ungodly. Then OBJ came back and he got hurt at the exact same time, fucking up our variables. And then he went in the shitter. Is he in the shitter because he's hurt? Is he in the shitter because OBJ is cancer and black magic? I don't know. But I need one more game to figure it out. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, yeah, I think honestly you'll get you'll get called crazy for having Baker that high before you'll I, get I called have, crazy for Mahomes that low. But I've got a line through Baker and his number is in red, so I totally get it. I am not confident sure. in that number, and I would not I, that number basically the line in the red tell me even if you think this, you can't bet on it because it is purely a gamble. You are missing information, and I am because if Baker's the guy from last year or his rookie year. I probably have him too low at four. He probably deserves to be three. If Baker is the guy from the first half of this year, same deal. If he's the guy from the last few games, if he's the guy from the Freddie Kitchens year, probably belongs around 13 with Wentz and Lawrence. Yep. Yeah, no, that's where I'm I'm in the same boat with him, but we we do talk about Baker plenty. I think Mahomes, yeah, right now, how he's playing, I think that's a pretty accurate Honestly, it might be a little too high because he's really struggling. I agree. Um, I, you, I have to give him a little bit of points or not a little bit of points. That's terrible grammar. I have to give him some credit, a little bump because he is so explosive. It's the same as, so I have Josh Allen right ahead of Mahomes as well at a 2.7. I'm very low on Josh Allen. He has bad games and bad throws more often than anybody else inside the top 10. Like him and Russell Wilson are tied for like, it really rarely happens that he's actually good. But 
the things that you can do with them and what their high point looks like is just so tempting. I have to give them credit for that. Yeah, I think I think Lamar belongs in that category as well. I don't know, the same tier of quarterback, probably not. But of that same tier where they're going to do some terrible things, like just truly awful decisions or, you know, Lamar fumbles at the goal line. He throws Lamar fumbles terrible, a lot. Yeah, he throws some terrible picks in critical situations. But just like you talked about Josh Allen and Mahomes, they can go and turn a completely dead play into a touchdown. See, what I do with Lamar, because I, I think that this is the only team in the NFL that he could be good on period. What I do with Lamar is I give him a low grade as an actual quarterback, but then I give the Ravens a very high score for their coaching because, and I bump their running backs up to an A grade, no matter what, because Lamar makes the running backs that good. So it's a roundabout way. He basically has, it's, it's like a fucking, he's a Yu-Gi-Oh card with a special effect and a low attack number. Fucking pulling out the deep cut from nerddom. I was about to say, you, you reach deep into the bag for that one. I mean, like Lamar straight up just put on a generic ass team with a generic ass coach isn't actually very good at all. But Lamar with a coach who understands what he is and that is using him properly as a running option style quarterback can make him very effective. So I give the credit to Harbaugh and Roman rather than Lamar. But in the end, it all comes out the same. Fair enough. Yeah, I think no matter what, those guys are firmly in the realm of on any day they can be the best quarterback in the league or unstartable yeah now they all typically trend more towards the uh, the very good playable quarterback that you can hit your wagon to you know who also used to do that Carson Wentz this I mean that's not not a terrible point I mean I think as, as recently as two years ago I was arguing that Carson Wentz is a b2b plus quarterback and you should stick with him yeah I mean I you're you've had the honestly we could do an entire episode just on the quarterback of ranking the quarterbacks which maybe that especially is especially that do. especially that 7 to 15 area where it's like ah, I don't know yeah yeah um but you you've always compared Wentz to Cam and I think that's yeah. always been such a good comparison I don't know if Wentz is quite as good of a runner but they're both very physical power runners that could create from it could throw off platform strong arm but not crazy accurate I think Josh Allen is just Wentz turned up to 11. Arms a little stronger, runs a little harder, runs a little faster, a little bit more creative, but the same shit. Inconsistent, not accurate, a lot of fucking head-scratching plays, and he needs some luck to get by. Yeah, I agree with you. Josh Allen is just like you took everything and just like multiplied it a little bit. I mean, Wentz does some impressively dumb stuff like that pick at the end zone in the Sunday night game, but Josh Allen does as well. I mean, he, even when, you know, MVP level Josh Allen, everyone's talking about him, he was Super Bowl favorite Buffalo Bills. He's still doing 25 yard run backward and then ground the ball. So it, it just is all extremely turned up with them. They're, they're still very fun quarterbacks to watch and keep their teams in games all the time, even if they maybe are a little overrated. Well, let's keep the quarterback conversation going. But instead of talking about quarterbacks that are arguably good, but maybe not, but arguably, let's talk about quarterbacks that are arguably fucking terrible, but arguably okay, but probably fucking terrible. Yeah, I know uh, down in Carolina, they're having a little bit of maybe a regression to the mean. Joe Brady has seemingly been an incredible offensive coordinator that we thought could 
boost that offense, float them and make them productive. Even if you had a questionable Sam Darnold under center. And it looked like that for the first few weeks. However, these last couple of weeks, Darnold has been turning the ball over left and right. They're not, they're just not creating anything. And the defense can't cover up for the turnovers and just overall ineptitude of that offense. So I think we're realizing that even though Joe Brady is good and made Teddy look great and gave Joe Burrow like the best college football season ever, I don't know if he can overcome Sam Darnold. Yeah, I listen, Joe Brady's great. And what he did with Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow owes him tens of millions of dollars because Joe Brady took an average college quarterback and turned him into a fucking superstar. But Sam Darnold is fucking broken. Like his brain does not work at all. It's completely fucked. I watched this game in disgust the entire time, but the dude is making things harder on himself than they have to be. And and in obscure ways, like they'll have a play action play where he rolls out and there's nobody in front of him. He has a clear option. Run and take the easy five yards with a slide or try to fit the ball into a tight fucking window to your tight end who's plastered in man coverage, hoping that he can get seven yards. And he's fucking throwing the ball. And he was, I mean, he, actually he completed one such throw. And I was like, God damn, it was early in the game. So I thought he had a shot at maybe putting something together here. And then he did it a couple more times and they weren't so lucky. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, dude, you're 6'4". You're kind of chunky. Like, run. Fucking truck somebody. Lord knows you're not special enough to fucking protect yourself. Go. It was so fucking bad. And I think we need to take, we need to ease up on the Joe Brady love a little bit as well. Because I thought he was going to come in and be like, frankly, I thought he was going to come in and be Sean Payton like baby Sean Payton. And this year, I'm not very happy with Sean Payton in the first place. But second of all, maybe turning a good college quarterback, like like Joe Burrow was, I mean, I don't like him in the NFL, but he was a good college quarterback because that's a very low bar. But like Jake Fromm was a good college quarterback, you know, amongst the college ranks. Turning Joe Burrow into a superstar in college is a lot easier than turning Sam Darnold into a good quarterback in the NFL. And especially with a porous offensive line. But maybe we take about 10% off Joe Brady, insert letter Kenny reference, and maybe we take a whole hell of a lot back off of Sam Darnold and put him back where he was with the Jets, which is Jimmy Garoppolo caliber, needs to be replaced caliber, below Jared Goff caliber. Yeah, I don't even know if he's in that caliber at this point because I'm – He's he's been turning the ball over at an incredible rate. What is he averaging? Three turnovers a game the last few games? Well, do, I mean, do you think that he's fucking Jalen Hurts in Tua level? Because that's really the only way, the only place to go. I mean, he might be. Like those offense, the, the offense has been useless the last few weeks. And he has been a significant part of it. You, can, you know why he has I mean, to be they, a half step above? It's it's similar to it's like the very, very, very poor man's version of the Mahomes and Josh Allen problem where it's like, no, he's not very good. But Sam Donald is at the very least capable of throwing a 65 yard bomb, maybe not even 65. If you drop a, a trick play where he has to throw the ball 55 yards, he can do it, whereas Hertz and Tua cannot. Yeah. And and I will say that Sam Donald does have those flashes where you talked about him fitting the, the ball into that crazy tight window. He does have the arm talent where it's not consistent enough, but he can make some crazy throws down the field while he's running around and fit some balls into some crazy windows. It's you just that too often they go to the other team. I just had a fucking epiphany. You know how I said about Jamar Chase that sometimes a man can flip a coin and hit heads eight times in a row? Mm-hmm. Sam Darnold's a millionaire because he did that. 
Sam Darnold's a millionaire because he hit crazy fucking variants. And in one bowl game against Penn State, it was just the random one in a hundred great play from Sam Darnold over and over and over again. Because he's still, he, in his entire college and NFL career, he's never had a game even close to that. And he shows flashes of exactly the talent that he displayed in that game, but they're never more than twice a quarter. I think that's a great point because, I mean, he his draft stock is was what it was because of that bowl game. I watched that game. It was the first time I'd ever seen Sam Darnold. And I said, that man's going to be a first overall pick and he's going to be like Tom Brady good. And, you know, yeah, I remember if, if he was that, if that was the guy he was his, you know, his junior year or ever again. Yeah. Was his freshman year. I know if he was ever that guy again, like if, if he oh, played that game ever again, one more time, he would legitimately be great, but he can't, he never will. I, he's not fucking good. Yeah. He, he just doesn't have minimum. And I, I was incorrect. He's only thrown five picks over the last three games. Now factor in the fumbles and the drop picks and you get a much higher number. Um, with that said, I think we we've covered Sam Darnold's woes well enough. Are you ready to get into maybe some of the uh, the positives from last week? What we got right? Uh, positives for us, not for really everybody else. <laughs> Basically, uh, our positives are when we tell you to fuck yourself and your hopes are shit, and it's always true. Yeah, I mean, they're they're where we get to beat our our own chest a little bit, but. Yeah, normally some fan bases are upset when. Yeah, like in Chicago, where they are still trying to find reasons not to blame Justin Fields for being fucking putrid. I honestly, I'm so checked out of Bears fandom. I, I, my membership card is so incredibly expired that I don't even know what the fucking excuses for Fields are right now. But yet again, this was probably his best game as a pro. Actually, I gave him a D minus. I felt like hey, being moving generous. up, man. I felt like being generous. It should be an F by every metric. But I said, you know, it was tough. Um, Man, okay, he had five turnovers, and I actually found him at fault for all of them. And I know what people are going to say. Because some news leaked out. I don't know where it came from. But apparently on the first interception, uh, he got a voice in his headset, which is either Nagy or Laser, telling him it's a free play. Go, go, go. Fine. That doesn't explain why his first look was to stare down his check down running back. Like, literally, he takes the snap and immediately stares at his running back in the swing. Like, not even a fucking wheel. He's not going upfield. He's standing a yard behind the line of scrimmage, maybe two yards behind the line of scrimmage, on the left sideline. If he really thinks he has a free play, why the fuck is he looking over? So I don't know about this story to begin with. I'm a little skeptical. But second of all, his throw to an open Allen Robinson was about five yards too far inside. Oh, great. Come fix this fucking microwave. It's beeping at me while I record. I'm cutting this. I can't hear it. After he stares down this running back in the flat, he throws a ball that's about five yards too far inside to Allen Robinson, who's wide open. Like, Allen Robinson's wide open. There's a safety with severe inside leverage. If you put this ball in front of him and out, it's an easy completion. It's probably a touchdown. And that's probably what his coach was trying to tell him by saying it's a free play. As in, it's a busted play. Allen Robinson's going to be wide. But instead, Fields floats the ball up about five yards too far inside and about five to 10 yards too short. And it's an easy interception as Robinson tries to maneuver to get back into the play. So I'm going to credit this against him. Like that's, that's on him, man. Yeah. I mean, so with this coaching staff, I would not be shocked if they told him it was a free play and it wasn't. I agree. But that was still a really bad throw. I, I struggle because if that's true that they told him it was a free play, like he's just chucking it. 
like it's a bad throw but i i it's not his fault like if baker did that and i'm you know sitting there watching the browns i'm going oh those motherfuckers on the headset they screwed him that's not his fault see i would probably still hold it against him because while i usually so usually the way that i grade a free play is that it's it's a free play if you throw a positive you get a positive if it's a pedestrian throw i just don't count it if it's negative i just don't count it unless it is so bad that you affect so my my literally my criteria are a well executed play has to lead to a touchdown it has to be pretty easy to execute this play and you have to miss so egregiously that i just can't forgive you fields was not being acutely pressured he was on the move a little bit but that's supposed to be what he does like he wasn't like running away from a guy he wasn't falling backwards he wasn't getting hit the ball wasn't thrown that far downfield he only got it like 25 yards i don't know what the fuck he was doing and it was so egregiously inside like dude this ball should be on the outside of the fucking wide receiver it should be a yard or two to the left of the fucking uh out of the boundary it should be on the boundary he put it on the hash mark damn near so I didn't give him full credit for, I I marked it as interceptable, but then I gave him two bonus points because an interception is worth negative three. So his slugging grade will reflect that it's not all on him. Okay. See, I think that's fair then. Cause I would still be like, you know, you can't make that throw. It's a bad throw, but I wouldn't want to grade it the same as, you know, every other interception because he was probably just like, all right, we'll see. Hopefully this one works. I, I have it graded almost identically to how I would have graded a bad play. It is, it is a half. So, okay, I'll take you and show you how the fucking sausage is made. A bad throw, just a bad throw that you miss on is negative one. An interceptable throw is negative three. I graded this a negative two. So it's right in the middle. That's fair for me. Um, and then were the rest of the, because uh, I don't think there was as much controversy on the other turnover. Well, I mean, yeah. But you want to walk me through those ones? The interception at the very end, he just underthrew Allen Robinson on a streak by like probably 20 yards. Did you see that one? It was a fucking arm punt, and it was not a good arm punt. It was like the no, arm I, punt. It is like a JV high school punter's arm punt. It really I saw actually, a lot of that game. I don't think I saw that interception, though. It was at the end when things were out of hand. But it, it the ball, it should have been a 40-yard ball. And even then, it would have been like an iffy decision. Instead, he put it 20 yards. It, it was just yeah, that's a that's a bit of a miss. And then he had three fumbles. And uh, Dan Orlovsky on ESPN tried to make the argument that – Two of the fumbles weren't his fault because he got sacked within two and a half seconds of the play starting. To which I say, I actually didn't hold, of the three fumbles, only one of the sacks was Fields' fault. Uh, it was a sack that happened at about two and a half seconds, but it's a quick hitter. So he he had open receivers on slants and curls that he should have hit, and he didn't, and he stared them down, and that's why he got sacked. Like, the play was designed for the ball to already be out. So he was late, as is usual. So that one's totally on him. The other two, he should not have been sacked. It's true. He was hit way too early. And he probably should have held on to the fucking football at all times, no matter what. I don't give a shit. Unless the guy picks you up, dangles you by your foot, and then another lineman comes and takes two hands and rips the ball out of your arms, the fumble's on you. Like, Yeah, I think unless it's like in, while the ball's in motion, you know, they're they're cocking back to throw, then I don't. I'm not going to say the fumbles on them because they're trying to get rid of it. But yeah, if you just get sacked while you're in the pocket and you fumble, that's that's on you. At any point, even on a quick hitter, if you are looking to throw, you should be gripping that ball so tight. Like, I mean, to borrow from Sublime, it should be the G.I. Joe Kung Fu grip. So I'm not going to give him a fucking pass and say, 
oh, well, he got hit on the blind side only two seconds into the play. Every quarterback knows you don't start actually gripping the football until three seconds. Fuck that. You hold on to the football, period. If you don't, I'm sorry. Like, Yeah. No, I think that's that's a fair distinction of the sack's not on him, and it's not as bad as if he was running around with the ball in one hand and tried to stiff arm someone and dropped it. But you still got to hold on to the ball. And if you fumble off of a sack, like, that's football, man. You're going to get hit in the pocket. Don't fumble. So in conclusion, Justin Fields has yet another terrible game, another failing grade. I've graded four of his games now, and all of them have failing grades. This is the first not to have an F. I did not grade the game against the Raiders where just the eye test told me he looked better, but the guy's a fucking bust, and I'm just really glad that it's happening so clearly because even I didn't think it would be this obvious. Yeah, I I mean, I, I still feel a little bad for him because he really should not play this year. But yeah, if if you're going to play him, he's going to look bad. He's not ready, man. Like we we've talked about it probably too much, but the guy just doesn't he's not at the point where he can read a defense and execute an NFL. If you ask him to, you're asking to have your team really screw up because he's going to make a lot of mistakes and he is. But Alex, that that random fucker with a pink cartoon face on Twitter told me that Justin Fields is probably the most accurate quarterback that any analytics guy, and I quote analytics guy, has ever charted. And anybody who spent the time to chart his throws knows that he was the most accurate quarterback in college, especially when going to his second read, to which I say, one can be a terrible fucking processor that never gets to their second read and still very accurate on their second read. In fact, they seem to go together because if you're going to be very, very accurate on your second read, Jesus Christ, just flushing toilets with the door open over here, I see. You're making my life so much harder, Sam. I need a new apartment. (laughs) A weekend. If you're going to be slow to get to your second read and just really, really reluctant to do anything but throw to your first read, it you know, it makes a lot of sense that you'd be accurate to that second read because it makes a lot of sense that you would only throw it there if they were wide the fuck open and it was extremely fucking obvious. Especially when your second read is usually like, I don't know, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Williams, I don't know, get GW, or one of the seven NFL running backs that have been at Ohio State in the last three years. So... Once again, the stats don't tell the story, and if you really make me engage with your bullshit, I can pick it apart like fucking A campers with owl pellets. Interesting. Yeah. Well, with that said, I think we've uh, covered fields to a pretty good level. Consider um, that dead horse beat. Yeah, obviously, still a small sample size, and he could he could turn it around, but I don't expect won't. that to happen. It and it would be especially unlikely to happen this year. But off of a hot Sunday night game, the San Francisco 49ers seem like they might be in a bit of a tailspin. We've been fading them a little bit, and you've been especially low on them. Walk me through. I, I just don't get it. Like, I know that Kyle Shanahan is fun. And he with the oh, with the Falcons, he was amazing. The Super Bowl year with Jimmy G, he made chicken salad-ish out of chicken shit, which is, you know, admirable but let's you know the 49ers that year didn't exactly have a killer offense so it's not like he turned jimmy g into matt ryan it was fine and again commendable congrats you took an average at best team to the super bowl i'll tip my hat but this is a dude who doesn't have a winning record as a coach has had one winning season ever as a coach it happened to be with an all pro defense which he doesn't touch he clearly can't pick a quarterback because he handpicked Jimmy G and then decided he didn't want Tom Brady and then handpicked Trey Lance. And those are three of the worst possible decisions you could ever make regarding the quarterback. They're just not fucking good. And like their defense, 
is not good either because they have no secondary and half of their line, the good half of their line is gone. So what the fuck? Why do people like them? Yeah, I it's 100% the Super Bowl year doing all of the legwork. I think we're seeing the same thing that the Eagles went through like a year or two ago where everyone's still high on him of they went to a Super Bowl. They had some, you know, good veterans that are around. They have uh, attacking defense, an offense that has some players and a decent line so they can get it done. And for the 49ers case, you know, the the savant Kyle Shanahan calling plays, but they're, they're limited at quarterback a lot there's only so much you can do with Jimmy G and when the defense takes the, this rather sizable step back that we've seen him take, you can't cover for it. Jimmy G is going to give you an offense that is okay in good conditions and bad. If things start going poorly, which the terrible weather from the Colts game showed, or just any of the injury stuff that they've had throughout the year. I'm not impressed by him. I didn't think they'd be this bad, but they they're really struggling. And you're right in that there there's not much, at least to me, that says this is going to get turned around because they just don't have the players for it. You know, I'm not saying that they're terrible either. This is one that I kind of wish that I had been more aggressive on, to be honest, simply because I, I think that the discrepancy is that they're like a, like God's truth is that this team is in the bottom 10 and the market seems to think that they're in the top 20, not nah, top 15 even. So like it's a narrow margin of being overrated, but it's crossing two tiers because I think that they're just above the Eagles in terms of being not in that Jaguars tier, but like a step above it, like a half step above it even. Whereas I think that the general public at large thinks that they are on the verge of being top 10. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, you know, not to play the the head-to-head game, but the 49ers beat the Eagles 17 to 11. And that looked pretty accurate. And at the beginning of the year, it seemed a little bit like, wow, maybe the Eagles are, you know, better than we thought. 49ers had a bit of an off day. No, I think it was more just indicative of the 49ers are about that tier. They're a below average team. They're not great. They could have good games, though they might knock off a solid team here or there because they do have some some talent. They're lying solid. They're going to get pressure. And if you have Kittle healthy with Debo having a good year and the running backs coming on a little bit, you have some ability to pull stuff off, but it's not going to happen consistently enough. They're going to be they're going to put up tough fights in games, but they're just they're not good. Addendum before we move to the next topic. I just saw that uh, Kyle Hamilton, that safety from Notre Dame that everybody loves, is going to be out against North Carolina this weekend. And that really bums me the fuck out. Not because I'm not because I give a fuck at all about anything that ever happens on a college football field, but just because I wanted to see Sam Howell against a reputedly good defender for scouting purposes when I eventually watch the game in four to six months. How, this is a quick aside. How's Howell been doing this year? I feel like he's slipped. Uh, as I alluded to, I've watched maybe, maybe two or three quarters of him so far this year. Okay. Um, no. I was mildly impressed. I mean, I wasn't impressed given my priors, but the guys playing with nothing, like their offense was never very uh, savvy, shall we say. And they lost a lot of talent to the NFL. And apparently his new wide receivers are just fucking. <clears throat> so... 
we'll see. Uh, he's probably still my quarterback one for the for now. But dude, I have no fucking clue. It's so preliminary. All I know is Spencer Rattler doesn't have it. <laughs> the one thing we know is uh, Spencer Rattler is not drafted. So fair enough. I that'll be that'll be fun to look into as the year goes on. I, I think that we. I was gonna dunk by saying that Mahomes is bad and I fucking called it, but I think we already went over it. And I guess I don't deserve to dunk because I didn't put my money where my fucking mouth is. And that's the point of this show, right? It is. Yeah. I I mean, honestly, you, you kind of dunk on yourself because you did bet on them this week. I did. I fucking bet on the Chiefs because I, well, I already said why. All right. Yep. I'll we, lob one up to you for you to dunk. You, uh, you told me not to bet on the Jets last week and I wanted to, and I did. And yeah, Zach Wilson got hurt, but uh, I don't know if it was the right side. Yeah, so this one, I mean, when we talked about it, you were actually really close to turning me. I, I went to bet on it after we recorded, and then I said, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I looked back again Sunday morning and felt only stronger to not bet on that game. And then as the game was happening, I was like, oh, thank God. I don't have to have this immediate loser in the card. Now, I did not expect this, uh, the result that happened, but the Jets are really bad. and. The Patriots are not a good team, but they know how to beat up on bad teams, especially in division bad teams. and Especially, especially... when it looks really good for the PR. Yeah, and it's the Jets. The I, Bill is not what a lot of people think he is, but he has some magic there, whether it's just the hate or, you know, whatever dark, dark stuff he has going on in the background from his time in New York. He, he shuts him down. I mean... It, a lot of those points were garbage time, but what was it, 54 to 13? It's terrible. Was it, was it 54? I turned it off when it was like 35. Yeah, I did too, but I kept seeing the – I know they got over 50. See, that right there just tells me everything I need to know about how confident the Patriots are in their actual self-worth because they would not be running up the score if they thought they had a chance in fucking hell at making the playoffs. Yeah, I, I – again, this was not a uh, – I think the Patriots are good – it was a, a bit of I think the Patriots have a good way to mess with the Jets and Zach Wilson. I think the I think the Patriots just you know how we say sometimes like oh the Bucks could have beat the Eagles in Week Seven for instance or Week Six for instance they could have beat them by thirty points if they just wanted to. In this case, the Patriots just wanted to. Yeah, they really wanted to. They did like, not they, let up at all. A regular team starts running the ball and kneeling it out in the second or third quarter, and this game ends thirty to fourteen. Yeah. Um. They might even play some prevent defense and maybe it ends 30 to 23 and then boom, we push. Shit happened. Whatever. Uh, it's not a bad beat at all. I earned that beat because the thing about it is Zach Wilson got hurt early. This is true. And it's not fucking, it doesn't matter because I think Mike White could be as good or better. Zach, Zach Wilson looked terrible and it doesn't, I don't think it even has that much to do with him adjusting to the NFL anymore. I don't think it's because people are, you know, defenders are faster. I don't think it's because his team is bad because Loki, I think their offensive line is solid and I think their wide receivers are kind of good. I think the problem is Zach Wilson and a lot of it stems from his lack of arm talent. The, he's, he's short arming throws and maybe Zach Wilson's a case of maybe, you know, in shorts and a t-shirt indoors, he could throw the ball 65 yards. Maybe he can, but maybe just maybe that doesn't fucking matter. Kellen Mond, we know for a fact Kellen Mond can throw the ball 75 yards when he fucking uncorks it. We know that. But I gave Kellen Mond a bad arm strength score because he never does. He short arms everything. And therefore, he effectively has a weak arm. Whether Zach Wilson can throw hard and chooses not to or simply cannot throw hard, his arm is not powerful. 
because he can only go off of what he does. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because he, I mean, I had him as not having a cannon by any means, but having a, a, a pretty decent arm that he could put it not anywhere on the field, but in a good number of spots from uncomfortable positions too. And while it looked like balls floated on him a little bit at BYU, seeing him in pro days and everything kind of calm those concerns not the pro days are worth much but seeing that he could uncork some balls on the move across his body made me feel better about him as a prospect but yeah I mean he hasn't really done it to this point and I don't know why if he's scared if he's being coached not to or he's just not good well, a lot of it is going to be their offense because it is a shitty version of the Matt LaFleur offense. And the Matt LaFleur offense is effective, but not brilliant. Um, it, this offense in, you know, platonically, if everything goes right, this offense is a lot of yards after the catch. It's a lot of getting people wide open, a lot like the Stefanski offense, but it's not going to work because it's not as well designed. It's not as well executed. It doesn't have as much talent behind it. The thing that I'm noticing, though, is just Zach Wilson makes a lot of bad decisions, but occasionally he doesn't. Occasionally he makes a good decision. And even when he makes a good decision, he's just not getting the ball there. It's inaccurate. It's thrown too soft. It's thrown too high. Zach Wilson doesn't have it. I was lower on him than most. I said that he was a 2.4 grade in a vacuum, which is just on the fucking northern cusp of being above average like the guy is just above average that was my grade in a vacuum then he went to the jets where he'd have a difficult transition into the nfl and i said this guy's fucked and he's fucked he's going to be the low end of his of his uh projection he's going to be the when i do when i did that twitter thread with the green comparison the yellow comparison and the red comparison he's going to be the red unless he gets salvaged by some really good coach yeah i was about to say i feel like he has a, a Tannehill uh possibility where if he goes somewhere that uh where he has a little bit more time to mature because i think that's an issue for him is he's just so new he is and, and, and he's, he's he's coming from playing the worst teams in the power five to the nfl so yeah that that was why i said he would have a really hard time adjusting in the nfl is just the talent disparity is massive he go, at byu because remember last year because of covid they were a group of five independent so you've got a team that has like a Pac-12 roster, a good NFL prospect-laden roster, not laden like Alabama, but a fuck ton better than Central Arkansas. Who that? That's who they're playing. They, you know, the best team they played was Eastern or Coastern Carolina, one of the Carolinas. They played the Teal Carolina team, and Coastal. they they were soundly beaten. Coastal, yeah, the Chanticleers. They were soundly beaten. So he had a lot more talent than most of his competition like surrounding him he was one of the most if not the most athletic guys on the field every game and the windows that he had to fit things into were pretty small and BYU low-key has an awesome offensive coordinator who needs more recognition you put all this together and you throw him onto a team with a bad roster an average at the very best coach and he's playing against the NFL players he's fucked and he's been fucked and he'll continue to be fucked and he'll need a Jameis Winston style reclamation to fix him because Tannehill was Man, I don't give a fuck what people say. Tannehill in Miami was still good. It just didn't amount to anything. That's fair. Yeah, like, Tom Brady is more... playing about as well now as he did last year. It's just amounting to more. All right. I think that wraps up uh, our our fun segments. You want to get into some gas and fade? I'm uh, going to be hitting the brakes a lot more. We're going to be hitting the accelerator, but let's do it. Yeah, there, there's very – we are in a gas shortage right now because I think we have one team that we maybe kind of want to gas. I... <laughs> NFL football is not good this year. Like this is 
week eight is going to be the third straight week where people say, eh, not a great slate here. I don't know. And there's a reason for that. It's because there's just not a lot of, com- it's basic. it's Tampa Bay, LA, the public believes Arizona, but I don't. Those are the three teams. And then everybody the fuck else is like a massive chasm down. And then there's also Miami, Jacksonville, Eagles, 49ers. I'm forgetting somebody because they're just that irrelevant. Oh, the Texans. And they're like way down there. Like way, I can't see them, but I know they're down there. So the only team I'm even thinking of having in my gas column is New Orleans. And full disclosure, we're about to watch their Monday Night Football game. So I don't even know. And I'm definitely not betting them against the Buccaneers. Yeah, I'm I'm the same boat. I like New Orleans. I think they're uh, they're getting healthy. They're figuring it out a little bit. I think they they might turn the corner from this kind of volatile team to maybe a little bit more consistency that we expect out of Sean Payton and the Saints of the last few years, even with Jameis at the helm. But yeah, I'm not betting on him or I'm not going to take him. I was listening to a podcast today where they said that the team we know the least about is probably the New Orleans Saints, and I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I mean, they, they just got a handful of guys off of IR that are important pieces. They had, they had uh, one throwaway game where all of their fucking coaches were COVIDed. Mm-hmm. And it's just a lot of new guys, a lot of new stuff happening on the offense, or rather the Jameis addition and change is a humongous difference for them. I mean, Drew Brees has been there, had been there for like 15 years plus. So the entire system has to get revamped with the new guy in that it is going to take a little bit to get used to as well. So, I mean, I, that makes sense. I'm still just hesitant because they are volatile. Of course, with that being said, Saints are probably about to get blown out on Monday night football. And, uh, and then we're coming back to this with our heads down. But with that said, we do have a lot of fade going on. You want to start us off? Yeah, I'm going to start us off by fading Cincinnati. Not because Jamar Chase makes any fucking difference. Jamar Chase could be the receiver that everybody on Twitter wants me to believe he is, and it's not going to change anything. The real reason to fade Cincinnati is because they haven't played anybody and their quarterback kind of sucks. Yeah, I mean, I'm we, we've talked about Cincinnati a little bit uh, leading up to this point as we don't think they're anything. I will admit that they look better than I thought they would, mainly because the defense has been pretty solid. Uh, they're they're covering pretty well, but I'm in the fade boat as well. I, I don't think they've played anyone particularly impressive. The only impressive uh, teams they've played are Green Bay, who, although it looked close, that was not a close game, in my opinion. Uh, how many kicks did Green Bay miss? Four. And that's with the Bengals getting some of those busted plays with Jair Alexander out. The Ravens, that, now that's a legitimate win. Um, the, the Ravens do pack it in once they kind of see they're losing a game. Like they're really quick to pull people and kind of just say, all right, you got us this time. So that game wasn't as lopsided as it looked, but that was a nice win by the Bengals. Um, however, I still don't believe in them. Their, their offensive line will get exposed the further we go into this, even with them getting the ball out quick, they're, they're giving up some pressures and Joe Burrow really struggles with pressure. He's getting lucky right now and that he kind of just chucks it up to Jamar when uh, people are running after him. And it's been working a lot, but we have seen where this doesn't work. I mean, you you can go back to the terrible pick he threw in the end zone against the Ravens last week where you both edge rushers came right after him 
And he basically did a fadeaway throw 40 yards downfield into double coverage uh, to Jamar Chase and Marlon Humphrey just like stepped right in front of it and picked it off. One of the easier picks he's probably had in his career. So we see that Burrow does this. I mean, he had three picks against the Bears. If you can get pressure on him and pick off any of the like 12 targets to Jamar Chase, you're going to screw with his head a lot. And then that offense kind of falls apart because the dude panics. And while the offense and while the defense has been playing a lot better, I, I still don't have a lot of faith in them. The edge rushers are good. The, the D line, the D line in general has been playing really well where DJ reader and Ogan Joby uh, have been stepping up and then the edges are, you know, kind of what we expected of them, but the corners are covering well. I, I just can't believe it'll keep up, though. Chidobi Awuzie, I talk about him a lot. I like him. Uh, Jesse Bates is great. But other than that, I think they're a little slow and washed up at corner. I mean, so I don't expect that to maintain. And if they play good offensive lines or diverse offenses, I think they're going to get pieced up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I could just remember a couple minutes ago how we said that the NFL is so stratified right now that a lot of these teams don't even look like they're in the same league. Well, I'm just going to name a few teams that don't look like NFL teams that Cincinnati has beaten recently. Detroit, Jacksonville, Pittsburgh. Meh, Pittsburgh's iffy, but that was a particularly terrible game by Pittsburgh. And then they got the lucky win off of missed kicks because Minnesota had 16 penalties. 16. So I think that when Cincinnati does soon start playing against good teams, they're fucked. But I don't think that... I don't think we can start that next week against the Jets, let's just say. Yeah, it, it's tough because they play the Jets. I mean, the one that I'm looking forward to is they play the Browns the week after. And if the Browns are healthy, oh my goodness, I'm going to hammer that game because the Bengals are going to be riding super high, I'm guessing. I mean, I've seen people talking about them as a playoff lock at this point, as the team to beat in the AFC North, as one of the, you know, as a top team in the AFC in general, which is absolutely ludicrous to me. They've played better than I thought. I thought they were going to be a six-win team. Now I think they might get to nine, but they're still a middle-of-the-road team that has had really good luck and have played the worst teams they're going to play all season already. They've exhausted their easy wins, and they're about to play some tough teams, you know, after this Jets game, of course. And I think they're going to come crashing down to earth. They're they're an average team. They're not the... Uh, the, the prize of the AFC North or a, a contender that I'm ready to worry about. Now, there's another team that's real hot in the streets right now, the undefeated Arizona Cardinals. I might be falling a little bit into believing in them, but I'm not quite there yet. And I know you're much farther down that list than I. Yeah, I just don't. And there's Jameis missing a wide open throw. I just don't believe that the Cardinals have shown me anything either. I know that they beat the Rams and boy, did I pay for it. But the Rams just didn't look like the Rams in that game. And other than that, like, who have they really beat? They beat the Browns in a game where everything went against the Browns and everything went for the, let's put it this way. The Cardinals had the worst quarterback in that game, performance-wise, not projection-wise, but performance-wise. Kyler threw five, or tried to turn the ball over five times between fumbles and pickables. And none of them happened. Baker tried to turn the ball over three times and they all happened. So that's just absurd luck. The Rams was a little bit of a, a little bit of uh, luck, a little bit of the Rams not showing up, and a little bit of being a decent team. Beating the 49ers by seven points means uh, almost negative to me. Beating Minnesota means nothing. Beating Jacksonville means nothing. All of a sudden, we've run out of games to talk about. I think that against Green Bay, and this is foreshadowing, I think they're going to get embarrassed. See, I, I 
do not expect them to get embarrassed. I think Green Bay has uh, an avenue to come after them. We can talk about this more when we talk about the actual game. Um, mainly because I'm just getting into the realm of the the Cardinals apparently actually can cover. Uh, Byron Murphy has been great this year. Uh, what's Robert Alford has seemingly gained some speed back and is playing like you know he's 27 again. And that was the biggest worry with them was that they weren't going to be able to cover anyone because you knew they were going to be able to get pressure with J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones and Marcus Golden has some juice too. So you knew they're going to be able to get pressure and the offense was going to run. So it looks like the biggest worry we had about, which was their coverage, might be legitimate. And while the offense is probably a little overrated because they're, you know, it's a little bit of the luck. I think Kyler is also in that realm of he just creates crazy things that shouldn't happen because he runs around. And as far as this year has been, has been relatively accurate with his bombs. So he's one that it doesn't always make perfect sense to me. And I feel a little crazy, but he continues to create points that shouldn't be there. And so that might just be a function of this offense that we have to live with. I, I, again, I'm prepared to stick my flag in this hill and you can bury me right beneath it when I'm wrong, but Kyler Murray has not impressed me this year. Certainly not to the MVP levels people are talking about. And remember, it's just about perception. Kyler Murray, if Kyler Murray right now is an above average quarterback, that means we need to be betting against the Cardinals every week because he's massively overrated because the market is valuing him like an MVP top five guy. Like it's just that simple. Because I think, I think Kyler is a good quarterback but he's not in the top five. And so you're right. He is with how much he's getting. I don't know. I, with green Bay, the problem is going to be with all the COVID stuff. I, if, if completely healthy, yeah, I probably like green Bay, especially getting points. Hey, let's not spoil the picks. Yeah. We'll, we'll visit that later. Um, There are some more fades and we've talked about this one a little bit on visiting their game, but the San Francisco 49ers, they're uh, they're falling apart, and we made a little bit of money off of them recently. But do you think we can keep making money off of them? I think we can keep making money off of them because people just don't seem to understand that the 49ers have two really bad quarterbacks, one of which is abysmal, the other of which is just regular bad. And their defense isn't special, unlike the Saints, who are just swarming right now. I, I don't think there's a lot to say that we haven't already said. I just think that we should continue looking to bet against San Francisco because for some reason, people love them and believe in them. I think it's probably got a lot to do with analytics folk loving Kyle Shanahan and a lot to do with square folk loving the Super Bowl that they went to a couple years ago. But San Francisco's fucked and I want to stay in what used to be the Bay Area because I want to talk about the Raiders. All right. So why, why are you fading the Raiders? Because they've had some pretty good weeks these last two weeks now. P.K. Metcalf, offensive pass interference, 70-yard touchdown, of fucking course. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm ahead of you, so I, I saw that, and I was like, oh, you are fucking kidding me, man. Like, that is the most clear offensive pass interference I've ever seen in my life. Hey, no, man, it's just, it's Seattle, it's wet. Yeah, no. Uh, here's the replay, hands to the face on D.K. Metcalf, a clear push-off, throws him down with his arm, but it's fine. No, yeah, I, I was, like, watching the replay as... You were like, wow, look at that offense pass interference. I was like, yes, that is very clearly OPI. Like, off the line, whatever, he's good. But <laughs> he literally throws him down as he catches the ball. Well, as unfortunate as that is, got to move on and talk about the Raiders because people are lauding this team for beating some not very good teams. And what they really need to be doing is focusing on just how fucking bad Philadelphia is. Because we saw against the Browns that Denver is nothing. 
Like they are broken. So beating Philadelphia is not impressive by the Raiders. They lost to Chicago. Like they got dominated by San Diego or the Chargers. They beat Miami in overtime. They beat Baltimore in overtime in a game they didn't deserve to win. This team is not good. You should not be impressed by the Raiders off of last week. You should be depressed about the Eagles. So that's kind of a double fade, but this is purely a perception play. I don't think that the Raiders are a bad team. I just think that people are reacting as if they are a great team, and that's wrong. And so we should just look to fade them until that hype wears down. Yeah, I think I have I have a fade for similar reasons, but maybe a little bit different in that I agree it's perception. And it's perception that this coach is like kind of righted them, maybe. You know, there there are quotes from some of the players talking about, wow, it's like he's so calm on the sideline. There's no screaming, yelling, like everyone just felt, you know, like in sync and like it, there was a plan. And I think that's more just the the interim coach effect that there there's this quick boost but then we're gonna see the fall totally agree. and it's gonna come when they probably when they play their next good game uh honestly i could see it you know they play the giants this week the week after they play the chiefs that could be you know a, a chiefs writing game or at least one that is a lot more competitive than we think it would be because at a certain point this coaching effect is going to fall off they have a special teams coach as the head coach. They they lost their offensive guru. Even if they did a lot of playing in the offseason, it's going to catch up to them. It has to. I don't think I don't think there's much more to say on the Raiders. And I think that I have a very similar play on the very last, uh, the very last fade we'll have for the day. It's going to be New England, and it's purely because, like we already talked about, they ran up the score on the Jets and they were fraudulently close with the Cowboys and fraudulently close with the Buccaneers. So people are going to be coming away thinking, ooh, got to go bet on the Patriots. They're, you know, Bill Belichick's got them going. They're improving every week. No, they're not. They just beat the Jets with a backup quarterback. That's nothing. They hung with Dallas on pure luck. That's nothing. And they hung with Tampa on pure luck and monsoon. That's nothing. So just keep on fading them Patriots. It's been making us money. Keep it going. Yeah, we've made it a little bit off of the fading the Patriots, obviously, last week. But that's that's what happens when you play a really bad team. Even if you have a fade, you can't do it then. So I think they they still say in that realm, honestly, last week probably helped us a little bit. Yep. Because it'll keep them if, you know, the Jets had come out and kept it close or covered or whatever. We might have lost value on the Patriots. Where now we're, if anything, getting more because everyone's now like, wow, they just scored 54 points, man. Who cares? It was the Jets. 54 points. NFL game. So I I think the they'll continue to give us value if anything. They're going to give us more coming up. So that's a good one I, I agree with. And we'll probably put some money on, too. All right. I think that about wraps up our segments. So uh, be on the lookout. We will be putting up our picks pods soon. Maybe same day, depending on how our schedules work out. But we're trying to get two pods out. We're trying to get them out early in the week for you. We're going to take off and watch this Monday Night Football game. But until next time, please bet on football games. Asta.